Welcome back to another episode of Comfortable Discomfort. This season, we are working through the tree. We already discussed the root, uh, which is, if you've forgotten already, white supremacy. And now we've made our way up to the branches, and we're going to discuss the first branch today. Um, one that necess- isn't necessarily um, a direct a direct result of the route, but I think is important to talk about, and we've decided that we we're going to talk about police brutality. I will be joined by special guest, which I will be introducing in just a moment. Today, I will be joined by activists Bree and Noemi, who run the Instagram page at women.poc, which advocates for social justice LGBTQ plus rights and equality. Also joining us, our mutual friend, Ruth. Thank you so much for having us. No problem. I'm very excited to have you guys on here today. Um, Today, we've decided we are going to be talking about police brutality. Right now, we are going to take a moment to name the Black individuals that have lost their lives at the hands of police brutality. Trayvon Martin. Eric Gardner. John Crawford III. Michael Brown. Ezel Ford. Dante Parker. Michelle Suzo. Laquan McDonald. Tanisha Anderson. Akai Gurley. Tamir Rice. Romaine Brisbane. Jerame Breed. George Mann. Matthew Ejibade. Frank Smart. Natasha McKenna. Tony Robinson. Anthony Hill. Maya Hall. Philip White. Walter Scott. William Chapman II. Alexia Christian. Brendan Glenn. Victor Manuel La Rosa. Jonathan Sanders. Freddie Blue. Joseph Mann. Salvador Ellswood. Sander Bland. Albert Joseph Davis. Darius Stewart. Billy Ray Davis. Samuel Dubose. Michael Sabi. Brian Keith Day. Christian Taylor. Troy Robinson. Ashams Farrell Manley. Felix Kuman. Keith Harrison McLeod. Junior Prosper. Lamontez Jones. Patterson Brown. Dominic Hutchinson. Anthony Ashford. Alonzo Smith. Tyree Crawford. India Cager. Levante Biggs. Michael Lee Marshall. Jamar Clark. Richard Perkins. Nathaniel Harris Pickett. Benny Lee Tickner. Miguel Espinal. Michael Noel. Kevin Matthews. Betty Jones. 
Quintonio Legrier. Keith Caldress Jr. Janet Wilson. Randy Nelson. Antroni Scott. Wendell Celestine. David Joseph. Callan Rockmore. Deshaun Perkins. Christopher Davis. Marco Loud. Peter Gaines. Tori Robinson. Darius Robinson. Kevin Hicks. Mario, Mary Trujillo. Demarcus Simmer. Willie Tillman. Terrell Thomas. Seville Smith. Alton Sterling. Philando Castile. Terrence Crutcher. Paul O'Neill. Altaria Woods. Jordan Edwards. Aaron Bailey. Ronell Foster. Stephen Clark. Antoine Rose II. Botham Jean. Pamela Turner. Dominique Clayton. Tatiana Jefferson. Christopher Whitfield. Christopher McCorvey. Eric Reason. Michael Lorenzo Dean. Brianna Taylor. Elijah McLean. George Floyd. And we would also like to acknowledge the lives that we've lost of whom we are unaware. start with why policing started because I'm all about starting with what it came out of because I think it's important to understand why we are now talking about police brutality like we need to understand why policing even started yeah like the origin for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah do y'all even know what it started with I we have an understanding that it traces back to slavery and it has to deal with the catching of runaway slaves and ensuring that black people and just the slaves in general stay on the plantations and they abide by the slave master's rules. And it helped catch runaway slaves and return them to their rightful home in air quotations, you know, back to where their owners are. Mm-hmm. I've said that like slave revolts. Yeah. yeah. I'm so- kind of crazy, yeah. Yeah, and to, like, protect the quote-unquote property in the North, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's honestly, like, so interesting to me that we have a problem with um, with policing being a problem against Black people because it started with them trying to control Black people. So it's almost like that's what they're mm-hmm. still doing. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand is that the system on which policing was built is entirely, in my opinion, broken. Like, it didn't even make sense to begin with. Yeah, the yeah, origins. It's a racist Wasn't built for us. A racist country. Makes sense, but. Like, and that's what I think is another big thing that I really want to, like, like, I don't know, just kind of bring out on this podcast is that 
America from its beginning started out with racist tendencies and now it's inherently ingrained into systems like policing and things like that and we have to work to break those systems down yeah mm-hmm. and I think another thing too also just like the tears of policing because a lot of people don't understand that like like now like yeah you have the people that are like trained to do it but you also have people like security guards Mm -hmm. people like um i don't know who else but do y'all like mall cops and and security guards like you mentioned and even neighborhood watch you know to speak on trayvon martin like that's how he lost his life and i could definitely say that trayvon martin was the you know the straw that broke the camel's back so to speak a couple years ago during the first wave of black lives matter protests you know it's like these people that consider themselves law enforcement consider themselves to be above the law in order to maintain the law and that's what's dangerous especially because you spoke on police that get training but even the police that get training don't get trained for a very long time yeah Mm -hmm. you know People like lawyers, we expect lawyers to go through all these years of law school and the bar exam and certain things to have a full understanding of the law and in order for them to represent someone in a public court. They have to go through about seven years of schooling, if not more, to really understand the laws of the United States. However, police go through usually maximum eight weeks of schooling And all of a sudden, they are expected to know everything about the law and how to respond to various situations that they should not be expected to understand how to respond to if they're only going to be taught for eight weeks. You know, schooling for cosmetology and for hair is longer than that. To get like a barbershop or a hair Mm -hmm. salon license is longer than that. So I feel like a main thing that we need to talk about is if police are even being trained well enough for all the jobs that they have to combat because they have to be, they have to answer distress calls. They have to answer welfare calls. They have to answer robbery calls, gun calls. And yet they're expected to know how to respond to various situations like these under minimal training. Yeah. Minimal training. Wait, do, do like the real question is do police officers even get like, training after they become police officers you know what i mean where Mm -hmm. it's like you know how like our teachers at school like they always have like teaching days where they basically learn how to build students continuously like it's continuous training like our it's evolving yeah yeah Yeah. our police officers being taught every day or you know even just once a month how to deal with current situations and i honestly don't know if that's the case my yeah. understanding of that is that most police officers only get retrained if there's a complaint mm-hmm. or in some situations like these a lot of times yeah. you know when people call on for reform mm-hmm. then a, a state or more likely cities like you know how there's like the denver pd aurora pd like those cities will call for reform But of course, it's not something that everybody does. So then in those situations, they get reformed. But as far as like monthly trainings, I highly doubt people get trained monthly unless all of a sudden there's this huge situation. Like if all of a sudden there was this 
serial killer going through Colorado and it was a huge problem, then obviously the police are going to be focused on that and they'll probably get trained more for that. Mm -hmm. But as far as like race relations goes, like in 2019, where it wasn't such a popular, you know, topic, it wasn't like a trending topic in air quotes. I'm sure they didn't because, you know, it wasn't as the Black Lives Matter movement wasn't as strong and vocal and prominent, right, as it is right now. Yeah, and, like, even with those, like, reforms that they suggest a lot of the time, like, in terms of um, implicit bias and that type of testing, like, the killer Philando Castile had implicit bias testing, and, like, that, and he took those lessons, like, a year or two back before, so even when those reforms are put into place, they're they're quickly, like, let go of as soon as um, the traction from that movement starts to disappear, so it's mm-hmm. not really something that's maintained over a long period of time. And it's not something that's really maintained in general, just because it shouldn't take a man losing their life for you to know whether or not a police officer has bias. Because in that sense, should they really even be hired or patrolling the neighborhood or streets in any form of way is where like that question arises. Yeah. yeah. And I, I want to kind of like, like, one thing that really that you said that just kind of stood out to me is implicit bias. Like, I mm-hmm. think that even goes back just to the beginning on like the root of policing and like why policing was brought about. Like, let's think about the implicit bias these cops have. Like, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people. Okay, I'm actually, I'm gonna argue with you and say that back then it was actually explicit bias, and that now it evolved into implicit bias because back then they had slaves and they like the origins of slavery were pure hatred for black people and just kind of like the whole demeanor that white people are above black people and so they knew what they were doing when they were like arresting the slaves and taking them back to their plantations but now I guess it's harder to say that people are explicitly being racist because sometimes they don't know that they're doing it so back then I'll say it was explicit but now it's definitely implicit bias yeah especially because it was more i'd say culturally acceptable for you to be racist back then Mm -hmm. because that because Mm -hmm. white people had a genuine you know understanding or they had the genuine thought process that they were above not just black people but all people of color yeah you know but now especially you know now in the united states i can really only speak for the united states as a predominantly white country you know it's not as easy to to be outwardly racist you know, like, especially in a lot of places of Colorado, it's a very, it's a swing state, but, you know, in the recent, the past couple of elections, we election, voted yeah. Democrat. So, you know, it's not, it's harder to be outwardly publicly racist in Colorado, for example. So I feel like then, like Noemi said, it would be implicit bias because you, you have to be more of a closeted racist. And it's just, it's more subtle, your hatred of Black people you may not outwardly like call us the n-word or outwardly be like oh i hate black people but it's that that bias that if you see you know a black person wearing a hoodie that you think they're some sort of thug or gangster killer or drug dealer or something like that yeah and And it manifests itself into something like almost equally as dangerous but like in terms of how accepting society is towards that behavior not compared to them is different and i personally think that like a lot of this is passed down from generation to generation but i also think that um 
it's very important for parents to to educate their kids mm-hmm. because for example some of these cops may have grown around parents who were explicitly racist and who did um kind of ingrain those biases into their head and that's where we see it come out when they're on the streets quote-unquote protecting us mm-hmm. yeah which i mean and that's why i don't know i think it's such a like deep issue that really like i don't really know if there's really one solution or like one way to just stop it all yeah because that's like kind of what i've been seeing is like especially now for like um what like in people are like oh we don't want to defund the police we want to fix it this type of way this type of way but it's more of like do we really want any of these type of people to even have these jobs should they be trained longer those type of questions arise like it would have to be like a complete overhaul of a system that that has like inherent racism built inside of it because of its history so it's hard for it to be like um oh, we need to take implicit bias. Because, like, almost every single time that there's a black person that's shot, that's usually, like, one of the first things that they point to. But, Mm -hmm. like, even even then, do we really want those type of people truly patrolling us? Like, should they really be working this job in general? Yeah. And I I also think that it's important to note, like, along with implicit bias, just, like, the way that uh white and black people are treated when it comes to policing like there's an obvious difference yeah i've been seeing a whole bunch of like memes and like things on twitter of like people just comparing the way that even just recently how george floyd was treated and i'm not too sure what his name is but this guy who was like arrested and i think it was like tennessee um he was like arrested like on a double murder like suspected double murder and how he was treated, offered water, like all these things. And George Floyd was begging for water. He wasn't even given it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like, um, in terms of like statistics, like I'm on this Instagram page right now and it's reforming. It's like a criminal justice um, page and they like help pass laws and legislation. And it shows how like black Americans are discriminated almost at every single stage. Like stage one would be contact. And you're more likely to be stopped by the police than white people. Like, if you're Black, you're two times more likely to be pulled over and five times more likely to say that you've been stopped because of the color of your skin. And then in terms Mm -hmm. of your interaction, you're three times more likely to be killed by the police and 1.3 times more likely to be unarmed. So you're more likely to be killed and more likely to be unarmed. So you're in, like, two vulnerable situations in that sense. And then in terms of, like, arrest, you're 2.5 times arrested more often. And in terms of the pretrial, 25% more likely to be denied bail. And the bail is usually higher if it's even given to a black man over a white man. And then the sentences are 25% longer. In fact, nearly 50% of everyone serving a virtual life sentence is black. And then in incarceration, you're six more time. You're six times more likely to be incarcerated. Yeah. And then in probation, <clears throat> you're four times more likely to be on parole. Like and how do you, how do you like 
look mm-hmm. at or like even listen to those facts and like not be outraged and ignore like, them yeah yeah like a lot of people will try to be like oh um i don't even, i'm not even sure of like the specific uh the specific stat but a lot of people will be like oh well like 40 percent of white men man have men have been killed by police but like okay mm-hmm. that still means that for more white people in yeah, this country there's more white yeah it's yeah. about proportions <laughs> So, yeah. like, like, at the end of the day, if 60% of them are non-white and we don't even make up the majority of this country, how does that even add up? Like, that means that, like, for example, Black people, Black people only make up about 13% 13. of the U.S. Pop- the U.S.'s population. So, it doesn't like, we shouldn't, now. yeah, we shouldn't be incar- incarcerated at these high rates. Right, we shouldn't yeah. be, like, we shouldn't be stopped more than white people. Like the amount should be more, more equal. Yeah. Or even we should be getting less. stopped less because we make up mm-hmm. less of the population. Yeah. That's even why. at that point, though, about mm-hmm. the how people argue that white people are killed more than police, that still like blows my mind because it's like, well, if you believe that, then why don't you also want an end to police brutality? Like, yeah. why, why would you want anyone to be killed? Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like people should also not want that do you know what i mean yeah yeah police like we shouldn't want anyone to be killed yeah you should want anyone to be killed by the by the police Mm -hmm. and i know sometimes that's kind of where all the all lives matter people try to argue where it's like well like like police brutality happens to everybody or like but it happens more to black people it's a disproportionate yeah it's like like you can't like the one example that I love is you know you pull up to a neighborhood there's one house on fire and you ask the firefighter to blow out all the houses even though they're not on fire like the only house that's on fire right now are the black lives so we need yeah. to focus on that mm-hmm. and then once that fire is put out then we're going to focus on not not having anybody else's house be on fire mm-hmm. yeah it's like focusing on what's the problem at the moment like obviously all lives matter yeah but yeah if and like mm-hmm. the suggestion that like black people are more violent like black people commit more crime and that type of stuff if you're more likely to accuse black people of committing certain crimes then and you over police and like are more likely to be stopped and do all these things it makes that's literally why the statistics are the way that they are where it's like 40 yeah. percent ish of black people are the ones that are inside of jails it's because a lot of the time black neighborhoods are over police because the thing is like a lot of the crimes that happen in black neighborhoods can happen in like any other neighborhood but they don't have police Mm -hmm. officers who watch and police over them the same exact way so if you see if there's uh two two parties one in a black in a minority neighborhood and then one in a white neighborhood if the police are all in the minor minority neighborhood that's where you're going to have the problem not in the white neighborhood even if they're committing the same crime and then on top of that becomes like the problem of how like trials and parole and everything like that is given up Mm -hmm. yeah and i think also another thing on that like let's just even talk about for example tamir rice's case tamir rice was in a park um i'm pretty sure it was central park he was playing with um a toy gun yeah and somebody called the police and supposedly what i what i've heard and what i've read is that the person that called the police told the 911 operator that it looked like a toy gun, but that she was still worried. 
And the nine one the nine one one operator failed to tell the people, like failed to tell dispatch that the gun was apparently a toy gun. And literally mm-hmm. the second that they got there, like within like um, I think they said based on like body cam um Pardon. images or something like that, mm-hmm. within three seconds of them arriving there, they shot Tamir Rice. And he's yeah. thirteen, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, he was. He was he thirteen, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was, like, he, was young. he was he was mm-hmm. younger than us. And they neglected yeah. to give him CPR because they were so busy, you know, because his sister was there. And of course, his sister was extremely worried and freaking out. Mm-hmm. So his sisters are trying to get to him and they're busy tackling his sister, trying to keep him, her away. From that her they can't offer. Dying. Yeah, that they can't offer her her brother medical help. Yeah, which like, is a huge factor just, of why he passed away. I just don't think that if it were a white kid, they would have immediately pulled out a gun and shot him. Yeah, there's, they would have. Yeah. Like, I just don't think it should be time, so. an officer's first instinct when you see a kid, no matter the color, to pull out your gun. Because yeah. kids are kids are still, I, I, in my opinion, kids kids' brains are still able to be molded. You can still kind of oh, for sure. a kid into having the outcome that you wanted like he could have eased they could have easily approached and gotten closer and, and seen that it was a toy gun like how is it fair that a black boy can't even play with a toy gun yeah mm-hmm. and and not even to mention mm-hmm. dang I, I even forgot about this just like I know we're not black men so we probably haven't really gotten that talk but just like the talk of like what to do if you're pulled over by police yeah. like like I've seen so many powerful videos of like parents telling their kids, um, even in the I think I do think though that black women and black girls need to be ta- need to be taught those same conversations. Yeah, oh, I've had I those agree. conversations. I, agree. I remember. Yeah, I but I also think it's... that like not discounting the death of like Breonna Taylor or Sandra Bland or any of those deaths, but I also think that. People tend to believe that black men are more aggressive than black women. So they're I feel like their reactions are different. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean like I think that yeah. black women have oh actually no amigo. <laughs> I, I was gonna you can oh, go. sorry. I was gonna <laughs> say like in terms of like this conversation, I think that like oftentimes black women are overlooked. I understand, like, statistically and stuff, obviously, Black men are, like, the ones who are somewhat more affected by this. But, like, sometimes we overlook the women's roles. But I completely understand where you're coming from, where, like, a lot of these cases that at least we've seen have been from, like, um, a Black guy dying, not a Black woman dying. Or, like, some, Or, like, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I also just think, like, well, I guess I don't know because if you're wearing a hoodie, it's kind of harder from the back. Yeah, tied it's kind of harder to tell that you're mm-hmm. a woman or a man. Then, mm-hmm. but I just think those conversations in above themselves are just so inherently, like, in my opinion, just like show the problem because I know that white parents aren't having the same conversations with their kids. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, like. I remember a scene from Grey's Anatomy, Ruth, I know you watch it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. After after that black kid is shot where um, 
you know, Jackson confronts the police officer and is like, well, he's dead now. And then, like, right after that, um, Bailey and um, her husband have a conversation with Tucker. Like, mm-hmm. this is what you do when a police officer pulls you over. Put your hand on the dashboard. Um, t- tell the police officer what you're reaching for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that to me is just so upsetting. And that's the type of thing that people are out on the street protesting for. Yeah. Yeah. That shouldn't be a thing, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, for sure not. Like, those conversations, to have those conversations so young. Like, I remember at the beginning of the Black Black Lives Matter movement, you know, Trayvon Martin. Like, that's when my parents started having those discussions with me when it was like, like, when I started to be old enough to, like, go to the mall with my friends, like, unsupervised, mm-hmm. every time we have those conversations where it's, like, try not to leave a store without buying anything. So, like, before you go into a store, ensure that you're going to purchase something. Don't oh, definitely, yeah. don't be making too much noise. Don't wild out because, you know, like, and my dad has a, says the same thing every time. He's, like, because, remember, you and your friends don't look like everybody else. You and your friends are black girls. Yeah. So you already have a target on your back. Mm-hmm. And that's just an unfortunate conversation to have in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, like... And, like... Mm-hmm. And I feel like it also goes to criminal profiling. Because also, like, the whole idea of criminal profiling and criminal psychology... Yeah. Even at, like, the highest level, the FBI, is fairly new. You know, the 70s, mm-hmm. the 1970s is when stuff like that really started. And even that mm-hmm. with criminal profiling and mainly focused on serial killers. So these stereotypings, I feel like a lot of the profiling doesn't even focus on what it needs to focus on, like childhood and, you know, development and surroundings. It just focuses on a lot of stereotypes where it's yeah. like you look at one type of person and you see them as a criminal and you see them as they're more likely to commit a crime because of this because of the way they look mm-hmm. rather than because of the way they were raised yeah so profiling criminals is still fairly new and it's still in the development stage which is why i feel like it's which is another reason why i feel like it's so flawed yeah and yeah. i think the sad thing about like a lot of the conversations that need that like a lot of kids are having like at a young and like a younger age and everything is that a lot of the time it's hard when you see people who are like um trying to talk about police and like how they're being attacked right now because it's like no actually innocent people are losing their lives because of the color of their skin and the chances of this happening to like other people and it often being like these situations being unheard and all of that is consistent so I think it's very important for like people who say that type of thing to realize how selfish and like disattached they sound because like police honestly aren't the victims in this in these situations when they're the ones with the when mm-hmm. they're the ones who are actually committing these type of acts. Yeah. Yeah. And I also yeah, think like the ones. big problem that I have is that at the end of the day, the policing it's just inherently it was built it's inherently racist yeah it's built on something broken and um it wasn't like i think i saw brie i think brie you said something earlier where you were like it's not that it's it it's it is broke it's that it was broken or something yeah yeah it wasn't built for us it was never 
built for us so the system isn't broken towards us that's why that's why people are calling for reform Mm -hmm. you know like the police like the denver police alone have a budget of like let me double check my source here but the budget is through the roof yeah for the you know and that money isn't going to better understanding yeah black citizens of the denver See, like, the Denver Police Department has a budget of $1.5 billion. Yeah. And yet, they still... How much still... does school... How much do schools get? Exactly. Like, schools get defunded all the time. Let's public see. schools. Like, especially, Let's like, see. DPS. Yeah. Like, they face defunding all the time. Like, I remember, like, even... Even when... Um, There's just, like, 1.2 million, I think it says. Or 1.2 yeah. billion. Because I even remember working at APS and then, like, having to, like, having to just kind of reuse resources or, like, not having the resources to change things that they would have changed. Like, for example, like, the kids have computers, but they don't all have computers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that type of thing. Yeah. Or just how, like, a lot of the schools don't have, um, they don't have the appropriate number of guidance counselors or things like that. Yeah. So, and, but they still have, but they have police officers in the um, building. So that's interesting to me. I also just think, just like, to make this clear, I also think that it's important that people realize that we're not, no, no, I'm not going to go that way. (laughs) I think that even if you consider yourself to be a good cop, you're a bad cop if you aren't standing up for what's wrong and a system or a a structure that was built that is inherently racist if you aren't standing up and working to make it better mm-hmm. or even take it all out and mm-hmm. just start all over yeah so i don't know no i understand what you're saying like, in terms of, like, oh, my, you like, even if, if they're literally joining that type of system, they have to understand that, like, for, because of the way that that system has acted and because of what that system is built off of, it is inherently built off of racism, which is bad. So, I don't think, like, I understand if you're going to say that your um, parents or whoever you know might be a good person, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the institution that they're a part of serves for good and i think that that's a lot of that goes back to like kind of police propaganda and like how from a young age we're taught that these people are supposed to protect us but like especially from what we've seen time and time again they often do the opposite instead of de-escalating the situation their presence often escalates it and part of it is because of the trading that they get and like obviously the problems with like people who are racist being a part of these institutions but like also the training that they get and stuff is like they're not there like being like when you're a cop you're not necessarily your number your job might not be to de-escalate certain situations when there are other people who who are whose like jobs are literally made for that yeah Mm -hmm. because also like i just like another thing that i think is um i just think where am I even going with this? Um, with police and like all cops, what like what the like a call movement and that type of movement? Well, I think 
the thing is also is that um yeah somebody else take it because i don't know where i'm going <laughs> well one thing i kind of want to i kind of think is important to talk about is like especially at the beginning of this we spoke about tiers of policing because I feel like when we talk about the police, people think of just, you know, like, like cops, cops yeah. in police departments. But I feel like it's important to talk about, you know, like school security, cops that are in schools, mall cops, neighborhood watch, like any form of law enforcement. Because it's it's so depraved to me. Like, I think that it's so depraved that people think that they are the law or above the law whenever law enforcement isn't around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like they elect themselves to be you know like to perform like a citizen's arrest or something yeah like whatever that. that is yeah yeah exactly so then it's like that endangered yeah. like that endangers black people especially because yeah. like i i already at like, like i'm 16 oh, yeah. years old i'm gonna be a senior in high school like i'm so young and like so are like all of us on here for us to have this fear already of like basically everyone mm-hmm. in a position of power around us or a position of like law enforcement around us is so dangerous. Yeah. And it's so, it's very upsetting. And that's why I feel like it goes deeper than the police. It simply ties back to white people and their their feelings of supremacy because that's what this whole like citizens mm-hmm. arrest type thing is all about. It's all about white people feeling like they need to enforce other people. It's about white people feeling like they are above us, Mm -hmm. above the law, above others. And it's hard to just, it's hard to reform that. Yeah. Because it just, it just even reminds me of the situation in Central Park where, um, where, where what's it called the the black guy approaches the white woman and tells that he's just doing his bird watching minding his own business and he approaches the white woman and asks her to put her dog on the leash because the dogs are um are known to like attack the birds so it's a like she, yeah i was gonna park. say it's it's against like it's a broken she broke the rules the like it's yeah. a rule in central park that you're your pets need to be leashed. literally called the police and was like profiling and saying this African man, uh, African American man is attacking me. All these things like, like he was trying to, you know, just simply tell her to like follow the rules. And, you know, she felt like she was so superior that he shouldn't tell her that she can't do something that the New York lawmakers literally said you can't do. Her faking her voice to sound Afraid. like she was in, like... Yeah, like, in danger. It was, so, it was so hard to watch. I was like, damn, this lady is really out here acting. Which I'm glad they made that, like, <laughs> Amy Cooper. I mean, they, like, made it before, but, like, I guess it's gained more traction, and they changed the name. Oh, yeah, Kumo. That. Yeah. Yeah, they've been yeah. trying to get that to, like, come into law for years. Like, I'm pretty oh, really? sure, like, they... Yeah. That was a thing even when I lived in New York. Yeah. And I was like... Like, I haven't lived in New York in years, but, like, they've been trying to get that thing to hold traction. But now, like, they've, they've renamed the bill, the Amy Cooper bill, after the woman, and it's trying to make um, filing false police reports like that into a crime. Because yeah. that could have endangered his life if yeah. he didn't catch it on video. Yeah, if he hadn't recorded it, it would have, he literally would have been probably in prison, if we're being mm-hmm. honest. Or dead. It. I don't know about, Yeah. Yeah, either probably imprisoned or dead for something that he didn't do. Because yes. there are definitely not a lot of cameras in Central Park. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
I also think that, you know, just kind of starting to wrap this up, um, I think we kind of mentioned it briefly, but just so that everybody can understand the point of defunding the police. Mm -hmm. Why do people say defund the police? Um, I like from what I've like what I've gathered, it would just it's basically like taking away the funds that a lot of police departments get because a lot of time police departments get like more than enough money and then allocating them towards like social services towards things like education and healthcare and like mental health care and like um a lot of the time taking police officers away from situations like even if we want to think about the case of George Floyd even if let's say he did have a fake $20 bill why are there four police officers for a 20 a fake $20 bill that's exactly. Right exactly. Yeah. Like taking away like that type of situation, like making those type of situations not happen again. Yeah, the only real way to end police violence is realistically to defund the police and reduce police like mm-hmm. interaction with the public, especially the black yeah. public in this country and in the countries. That I like- also think that. Mm-hmm. I also think that we mentioned it, but like a lot of these like situations that occur occur because police escalate the situation like mm-hmm. like i was watching a red table talk y'all know how i love my red table talk, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i was watching a red table talk and she's this lady i think she's based in california and she calls it like the peace bus so basically every single time there's like a police encounter she pulls up and she tries to de-escalate the situation before it turns into another black life being lost yeah and i feel like if we had more things like that like for example this fake this allegedly fake 20 dollar bill it could have been like well i yeah i did that and then it could (laughs) have been like okay here's a ticket for you to appear in court like i don't even think he had to have gotten arrested for that like that's the type of thing i'm sure right if it were a white person yeah, they probably yeah. would have just given him a ticket to appear in court, and it would have been settled in court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he just would have been fine, yeah, like, most likely. Yeah. Because yeah. also, like, another thing we talked mm-hmm. about, too, before, you know, even starting to record this, is just the idea that, like, yeah. cops are expected to be social workers. Cops are expected to do, like, all these jobs, like counselors, drug drug rehab people yeah rehab therapists like all these people um and they're not professionally qualified for it and for example somebody like a social worker they don't get paid nearly enough enough. their job as it is so if we Mm -hmm. reallocate funds to things like social work and like what that could also bring down crime in the first place yeah Yeah. because you're gonna intervene you're gonna start at the root of the problem because that's the thing too like even just with this whole podcast starting at the root because you got to take out the root before you can take out everything that it's grown into yeah mm-hmm. because a lot For of sure. the time like if you have like community leaders and stuff trying to join in these situations they're because like because of all the things that cops have done and stuff people are less likely to trust them but like if you have community leaders who are like more willing to fix many of the problems in these communities then chances are that like you're gonna see the escalation and in countries like um like in other countries 
where they allocate it more towards social services, they tend to have less crime overall. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. If at the end of the day, when you look at it, America is really the only problem, only country having a problem with police brutality. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, I, I think like it's other important to talk about. Do. Yeah, because like even my relatives in Canada, like there have obviously been protests around the world, but like in Canada recently, like the police literally threw a black woman's body Absolutely. over a bridge. Yeah. Oh, like there's like police brutality everywhere. everywhere, and I feel like this this spark in America has really triggered a bunch of other like responses in other countries yeah. and it's really enlightened me on my history like because obviously like as a as someone that just completed their junior year you know like I just took a push like United States history where we kind of learn about other countries but from the United States point of view and then obviously world history sophomore year where you learn about other countries and their leaders from more their point of view Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see how other countries are perceived from our lens and then from how it's perceived from their lens yeah because you know of course in these history classes especially because like both of these history classes i took were ap so it's like the way that the college board wants you to learn it yeah it's like yeah 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 so it's like how they want you to learn it and i just learned recently about how racist winston churchill is or was to be honest yeah he's like (laughs) he's like extremely racist but i've never seen him that way because from all the classes i've ever taken where i've learned about world war ii or the cold war and you know the whole berlin wall story he's never been taught that way he's only been taught for being this hero for fighting for england it's a whole white savior. Yeah, exactly. That's a really big problem. In terms so of I like really history feel like... and media and everything. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it it's also starts with education. Like, it starts with, you know, your schooling. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of it, I feel like, ties back to the college board because, you know, like, as I stated before, like, these AP classes, they aren't completely in the teacher's hands. Yeah. So, like, even know. if the teacher doesn't have implicit bias, yeah. and even if they believe one thing, they have to teach it a certain way so that their students can perform well in AP exams. Yeah, and that's crazy. You know, so I feel like it really does turn... Mm-hmm. It really does, like, go back to, like, who writes the books. Yeah. Who, like, makes the lesson plans. Like, even at, like, the top level of, like, the publishers of the books, the writers of the books, the college board. And then it trickles down to teachers. Yeah. Because that's where it starts. Like, school is where people see, like, where they start to perceive, like, cops as good people, cops as bad people certain historical figures as good people or bad people and that's where they start to form certain mindsets and if we let them form the wrong mindsets then that's what leads to deeper racism exactly Mm -hmm. and that's what i think is really important about the black lives matter movement right now and the work in trying to end police brutality is that um we're working to educate ourselves, working to see how can we make this something that isn't inherently racist. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to, you know, it's going to be, it's going to have to be something that we don't just talk about. um, Like you guys were saying, on a policing level, we need to go all the way back to the people that write the textbooks and the college board and all of these people and make sure that we're being taught the right history, history that makes sense, history that educates us to be better people, and in turn, 
create a country where we can all, instead of having to kneel and stand united under one flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good way to like end it off in terms of like wrapping up yeah. Yeah. the importance of like these type of things. Yeah. Of, like it really does start about where you're educated and like for us and stuff. Obviously, like we've chosen to inform ourselves more, but like there's a ton of people who have still chosen to remain ignorant. But like mm-hmm. it hopefully there's not as much ignorance like throughout this movement and stuff because hopefully like more educators and stuff will change their not educators but like other people too will change how they perform their systems and we can only hope that is the case yeah ladies i would like to thank you so very much thank you mary coming on today (laughs) thank you it's been amazing i hope to have you guys on again yeah and for sure you know we did that we talked about police brutality can't wait for the next episode me too period thank you all of you guys for listening to another episode of comfortable discomfort it was a pleasure having you all and i had an amazing time with my special guest i'm looking forward to having more special guests talking about more uncomfortable topics and becoming comfortable with them and make sure as promised to follow the instagram that was made for me that i didn't make myself at comfortable discomfort podcast for all important updates and whatnot and i will see you all next friday for another episode on white privilege